1: Hello, welcome back to OzSpeaks, live from our Barangaroo studios. You've tuned in for the call, ten stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to two experts on our panel. We do it in one hour. What we'll to get through today. Uh, two experts, Michael Wayne of Medanium Financial. Michael, how are you, sir? Good to I'm see terrific. you. Very good. Philip Pepe from uh, Shoreham Partners with us. Philip, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Back into the swing of things. Absolutely. Market still getting up to close to record highs. Did the Inflation figure push it further.
0: It, it, yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a turnaround. It was sort of point two point three percent down just before I left the office, and by the time I got here, it was up 03 percent. So yeah. better than expected inflation numbers are getting people a little bit more excited.
1: Yeah, about. I still don't think rate cuts are, are imminent, like no, a lot of so the
2: optimists are saying. I say. was well, taking rate rises off the table. I think after yes. yesterday's retail sales, we kind of figured next week will be okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not in a camp that will get yeah. rate cuts anytime no. soon because 4.1 isn't less yeah. than three. Less yeah, than yeah. My check, so.
0: and then you know, there's also an argument I didn't really get into the detail of this number, but there has been a bit of an acceleration in the three month and six month numbers, particularly in the US. I'm um, looking at the core figures. Services inflation seems to be quite sticky. Obviously, yeah. we've got that big decline in goods inflation after yeah. the supply chains open up, so there's and it's still the insurance enough premiums. there to keep. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> insurance premiums going through the roof. This is the thing. Uh, so
0: there's still enough there to have people questioning um, yeah. whether the inflation genie's been completely put in the bottle and whether we will get the rate cuts, I think, still yeah. up in the air.
1: But this combination of high interest rates and the ability just to hike up premiums, insurance stocks... She'll be going gangbusters or if it wasn't they've for, done the, her own. for those
2: pesky storms in Queensland. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we like insurance stocks for, for that reason. Yeah, but yeah. then you get the catastrophes which seem to happen more than one in 20 years. So yeah. Yeah, we like Ins- life insurance for that reason. But yeah, some of the uh, general insurers will be doing really well because the, the good thing about the storms is you get higher claims. They're reinsured, but then they put premiums up next year as well. Oh yeah, they're not going to carry those. Like losses. premiums did nothing for like a decade.
0: There was a lot of foreign yeah. competition that came into the market. And then over the last couple of years, not only have the insurance companies benefited from rising premiums, but now they can generate decent investment returns on their, um, in, in term on their premium books. So yeah, there's a bit to like there. We don't mind oh, yeah, QBE, yeah. for instance, just yeah, as, yeah. as one which we haven't really looked at in the past, which has come onto the radar.
1: Yeah, it seems all the Planets of the line for insurance companies at the moment. But anyhow, they're fueling inflation with those high um, uh, premium increases. Um, all right, let's get down to business. Uh, the stocks we're going to look at in this half hour, Mineral Resources, uh, main farmer, MA Financial, Aussie Broadband and News Corporation, stock of the day. Uh, so we take a look at Credit Corp. That's um, a real barometer of, of the economy because they they deal in distressed Loan books, if you like, uh, posted half-year revenue 187 million lower than the uh, uh, lower than the 220 million recorded uh, the year prior. Firm recorded a loss from ordinary activities after tax, which attributed to its lower profit figure 12.1 million versus 31.8 million for the same period last year. Um, Philip. Uh, what do you reckon a critical? Corp? Highly, highly regarded in this sector, isn't it, in terms of, um, of they purchase loan books, don't they, and, and follow up?
2: Yeah, so they, they purchase uh, distressed debt. So financial institutions lend, but they're not in the business of collecting money. So when there's a problem, they just sell their books for cents in the dollar to companies like Credit Corp, yep. who goes about collecting them uh, over a number of, you know, period of time because banks lend but Credit Corp collects. Um, so their profits come down to the quality of the books that are for sale, the uh, value of the books that are for sale, and how much they pay for them. Because if they overpay and they can't collect, they dust a lot of money. So they, they took some write downs, um, particularly in the US. because. Um, The market's not being flooded. The market's been excess supplied and more more books have come on. Prices have come down. So they've had to mark to market and they've taken a loss. Um, Conditions have been challenging in the US for them for quite a while. That's why I've been cautious on the stock. Uh, Australia's been doing well, but Australia, there's not a lot of supply coming on because the consumers are holding on okay. So they've
1: only gone to the US in the last couple of years.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Aussie company challenging in the US, they've got a great business model, but they've got to get local staff. Yep. Right. So it's not, you can't just transport what you've done. You can transport the systems, but the people have to come from, from, from locally and you've got, and they've got to be skilled and they cost more today than they did two years ago, so today's result was okay. It was not the growth company it used to be. Maybe that's only short term. If you look at what was pre-today's consensus valuation, it's was pretty much fair value, so you don't need to be heroic on this stock. Um, it's, it's strongest years are probably behind it. Um, it may well get cheaper before it gets more expensive, so I'm gonna call it a hold. You wouldn't jump off off the back of today's announcement, but it's not not, not a must own stock like perhaps okay. it once was.
1: So you wouldn't sell out? No, I just hang out for a long time. It? it was
2: kind of a, neither here nor there. Okay. Um, yeah, It's not expensive. Michael?
0: It's a good business, and it's one that we have held in the past, um, but it sort of fell into the too hard basket, you know, around that COVID period. And it is a business that if you were an active trader, which we're not really, um, you could probably be active around because every time the consumer gets called into question, whether it be COVID or more recently interest rates going up, and even yep. going as far back as the GFC, this company gets absolutely smashed. People just think that all their debt ledgers that they've purchased, no one's gonna be able to pay back yep. um, their, their outstanding um, debits. But in reality, it's it's not like that. Um, and Credit Corp's shown themselves to be very good and have a very good track record of acquiring these debt ledgers, you know, 30 to 120 days in arrears at, at a big discount, and then basically chase up that money over time. And the big thing with this company is being able to buy these debt ledgers when no one else wants to. And the company will argue that they've done a lot of buying in the last 12 months. Um, There's been a a bit more of a supply. The the competition for these debt ledgers has fallen away, which means they've been able to get more attractive pricing. And that was a big complaint that the company had for a few years there. So they would argue, although they've had to have a write-down because the value of their debt ledgers has fallen. And in many ways, it's like a bond. Interest rates go up, the value of the debt ledgers falls. But over time, if they can hold these things closer to maturity or collect a lot of the ledgers, the returns should be forthcoming in the in the you know next couple of years or so time will tell um, mm-hmm. it has had a bit of a recovery as the the sort of outlook for interest rates has evolved in the last six 12 months or so um, but look I'm happy to have it as a hold I wouldn't have it as a buy um, just because you know you want to start to see some of the benefits of the recent purchases start to flow through and that hasn't happened just
1: yet okay all right, let's get into the uh, into the stocks you want us to run our eye over. And Michael, David wants a view on mineral resources. The uh, uh, iron ore, lithium giant, Chris Ellison, um, sort of su- superstar uh, chief executive of the group, Bill Potter, uh, put a target range of $75 yesterday on it and put them as a Um, as a buy, a bargain buy at these levels. Do you agree?
0: We hold MinRes in our managed fund and for clients. Um, We think it's a very high quality business. It's become less reliant on iron ore over the years. I think lithium now makes up about 26% of revenue or close to 30% of revenue potentially going forward, up from around 4% only a couple of years ago. And I think the valuation, looking at the valuation of the business, lithium probably makes up over 50% of the valuation now that mm-hmm. people are attributing to their different assets. Um, it's been a, like a terrifically run business. Um, they've been buying up stakes. Um, you know, I think there's probably 14 really high quality lithium sites in WA. MinRes has exposed to about five of them. Gina Reinhardt has about nine exposures um, of that 14 and some right. of them overlap. So they're really trying to corner that lithium market in WA. I mean, corners is probably um, you know, a very um, yeah, they're big a- exaggerated, in <laughs> <laughs> exaggerated <laughs> term, but they are definitely strategically looking to have a very big piece of that market. Yeah. Um, the question is around lithium and the near term outlook. There is definitely a lot of supply coming on EV vehicle sales are probably underwhelming relative to expectations. So there is some short term weakness potentially there that might take years and years to flow through. But in saying that, we're seeing production for a lot of these lithium companies or producers being pulled back. A lot of mines are coming out of production because the price has fallen so much. And that might bring the market back into to balance or equilibrium quicker than people are thinking.
1: And they're a reasonably low cost producer. Aren't very they?
0: low, yeah, very low cost producer. They still got the iron ore assets which are ticking away nicely yeah. for them.
1: And um, their other big thing is they just don't dig dirt, they process as they well do. as the, the, that. That's another the key. Of, That's an
0: old school business for them, but they still got that going as yeah. well. Um, and the good thing is they're able to develop their resources um, or their exploration assets using the cash flow from the business, um, they've had a history of not really taking on new equity. So they've never really, I don't think ever done a share purchase plan, for instance, they fund a lot of their expansion through the cash flow of the business or through debt. Um, and therefore, you could argue that a lot of the models that analysts are valuing this company on are bis- mis- mis- skewed, given the, the, the wax, the weighted average cost of capital that a lot of these analysts are plugging into their models. because. Um, basically, they're completely debt-funded or, or cash-funded, as opposed to equity-funded, which means the valuation could arguably be a lot higher. So, yeah, we like the business. We're happy to ride the cycle. We understand the short-term weakness might prevail, given what's unfolding in the lithium market. But it does give me confidence that everyone's being quite negative on lithium. Um, mm. It's almost a universal opinion that lithium is going to have a tough few years, yep. and often that's a decent time to start looking at these kind of high-quality companies.
1: Okay uh that's sort of henry jennings so i'm gonna have a a buy a buy a buy on men raise up these levels okay what do you reckon Philip? Look, I'll
2: call it a buy as well, not without risk. No. There's, there's a lot to like about this. I used to cover this well before it started producing anything. Um, it's got a great mining services business. It's about a third of its revenue. still got the crushing business it had when yep. I used to cover it. So it does provide essential services to the WI. And they're building and
1: a lithium plant. process plant as well, aren't mm-hmm. so they? So
2: they're not, right? they're not standing still. Yeah, And I like the iron ore part of their business, about a third of their profits. Um, I was scratching my head. I can't predict commodity prices, quite frankly. I don't think anyone can. So when yeah. the experts were calling it down to 75 dollars a ton they were looking at different data than than i was and last time was like 130. so that part of the business is doing well without china really contributing over and above right so if china ever comes back maybe maybe the iron ore price doesn't dip so the argument is about lithium and their lithium profits are down 60 percent because the lithium price and as we saw in the chart you know, we were all wrong on lithium in terms of EV um, penetration, the demand for lithium, it was shut up and then all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, things take longer, so the yeah. lithium price has collapsed. You're probably now buying it Off the bottom, our house view is that the oversupply will be dealt with either through increased demand eventually or reduced production. So lithium price should recover, their lithium profits should recover as a result. So now's probably a good time to be buying in as long as the iron ore price doesn't halve. So on that basis, I call it a buy. I can't predict commodity prices, but given that historically most people bought this for lithium, it's safer buying it now than it was a yeah. year ago when lithium prices yeah. were a lot higher. So I'll call it a buy, not without risk, because I can't predict commodity prices, but good business, and yeah, probably, is probably right, it trades higher over the next 12 months.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. We had this uh, discussion last week on whether lithium had reached that capitulation point with all of the lithium. I think it was on not on the back of core lithium, it was on the back of one of the other lithium producers taking their mine, putting their mine into mothballs. Your uh, lion. Uh, line, line no, car, yeah, yeah. Made Um And there, there was one massive lithium bull, I forget the analyst, who has now gone bare. And, <laughs> that's, uh, the, and that's the bottom. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's the uh, Henry uh jennings and andrew wyland were debating whether that was capitulation or just wait for another couple of uh couple of weeks to the bottom yeah you don't have to event. go
0: all in um, no you, know, you just can yeah, dip just your have toe it in. and start yeah. to, exactly all, in.
1: all right um philip fiona wants to view a main farmer, the uh specialty pharmaceutical group um produces a lot of uh, generic brands, doesn't it?
2: Generic, so drugs come off patent, the big margins drop, prices come down, and then people like Maine Pharma Mm. uh, produce at the US, I think the facilities in South Australia that I've actually visited. I've ridden that wave up and down. Um, Theoretically, they have a great business. Um, The more generics came off patent, the more they do. Share prices, quite volatile historically, if you go back further, they've really had their ups and downs. So I think the best way to describe a five-year holding in this stock is inconsistent. Right. You know, you have good years, you have your bad years, how do I put this? Manufact- someone else designs the drugs, they just manufacture it cheaper once it comes off patent. So they need manufacturing skills, but the IP is done by the drug developers. So right. what's their IP? Um, it comes down to valuation, When it, what's the risk return profile at the moment, it's not covered by a lot of analysts, but consensus is that it's expensive. Right. And given that most analysts are generally optimistic to see something that's 10% overvalued, that's a good enough signal to say, you don't need to own this stock at this price, this cheap. It's stock had a good too. six months. It's had a good six a, months. So yeah. I, I would take profits, um, bank them, and then move on to something move else. On. I'm going to call it a sell based on the rally and take your right. money and run and uh, okay. invest into something more predictable uh, over the longer term
1: in the same sector?
2: Would you go telex or something like that? Almost go a CSL or a ResMed, given that, oh, right. it's because it's been yep. sold off because of the, the wonder drug. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it almost <laughs> the go the other bit. direction. Yep. Yep. Michael? Uh, it's never one
0: that we've really looked at in too much detail. Um, it's the thing is, it is generic drugs. Uh, it's highly competitive space. It always seems to be cheap, but then often underwhelms. Nevertheless, it looks like margins have halved probably over the last five years or so, which just goes to show how competitive that space can be. So from my standpoint, I'm gonna go a sell into the recent strength. Um, I just you know get a little bit concerned sometimes with what is a business's competitive advantage and whether they can sustain that long-term. And I would say in the case of Maine Farmer, probably not.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, our next stock, um, Nathan wants a view on MA Financial. Um, sort of a... Um, a listed investment bank. A lot of people refer to it as a, a sort of um, a mini Macquarie when it first started. Very much into asset investment for um, uh, for AFL uh, fans. Jeff Brown, Collingwood president, is the chairman of MA Financial, uh, and its managing director is Andrew Pruden, chairman of the Swans. So. About the only thing I think the Swans and Collingwood have ever agreed on is probably <laughs> this stock. <laughs>
0: um, it used to be, I think, called MOLUS. MOLUS. Uh, MOLUS International are yeah. uh, still about yeah. 15% of this business, and it is pretty much a mini-investment bank. But Which is the
1: New York Investment Bank. That's the New York Mollus. Investment yeah. Bank.
0: Um, but I would call it more of an asset manager. Um, that's where a lot of their growth has been coming from. In recent years, they've done very well in pivoting to private credit fairly early, and that's attracted a lot of funds under management for them. Private credit's obviously pretty buzzword at the moment, offering people some very attractive yields. Uh, They've had some different real estate funds, et cetera, as well. Um, They do have obviously a corporate advisory type business, and that's been subdued like a lot of others um, within the industry in recent times. That's no real big surprise there at all. There was some concerns around the significant investor visa adjustments that were made probably 18 months, two years ago now by the government, but it hasn't really impacted them by as much as the market was. They had big Chinese clients. Yeah, and they would really target that market, um, and that was a big source of investors into their funds. Um, So that, I think, impacted them a little bit, but not as much as everyone was fearing. Um, Ultimately, look, I think it's a a good business. I think they're growing quite well, Um, but, I probably won't give it a buy. It's more of a a hold. There's nothing really about it that's going to excite me to the point that I'm going to give it a buy. The numbers look fine. I think if there's an improvement in market conditions, I think there'll be a kicker for them from the advisory side of the business and maybe the equity capital raising side as well. Um, But for now, they're pretty much a fund manager benefiting from the boom that's occurring in private credit.
2: It's a buy, just based on the link to the Collingwood Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> um, so
1: That's why I mentioned <laughs> it.
2: In the
1: back of my mind, I thought, Philip, I think he is a pie. So yeah.
2: uh, I, I was there. It was a great game. Um, <laughs> apart from that, uh, look, I mean, $9 billion in funds under management. <clears throat> That's material. Um, our view, my view is that, <clears throat> famous last words, we've probably seen the bottom in equity markets. Good inflation point today zero risk or virtually zero risk of a rate rise next week i'm not in the rate cuts camp but the next move will be down probably in a year's time uh, or two years time not not this calendar year so markets like that should trend upwards the market's their biggest client they'll get the leverage going forward so it's got that going for it Um, advisory and transaction volumes were down last year down for everyone activities already picked up Uh, There was talk, you know, perpetual was talking perpetual for example was talked about in the press today. So, as activity picks up again, that side of their business should be could be stronger in calendar 24 than it was in 23. Again, that's all icing on the cake. So, 11 and a half times PE uh, for a mini Macquarie Bank. I think it's it's a good entry point if you believe markets have bottomed and they'll recover over further recover over the next two years and the US keeps hitting all-time highs, so right. on that basis, this is a good entry point, so I would, I'd call it a buy for leverage to the equity market okay. and transactions.
1: So the market almost at record highs and a lot of stocks at record highs, does it make you nervous?
2: It does, but I mean again, the index that people look at is driven by twenty to thirty stocks. Yeah, um, banks were expensive two years ago. And now, now, now they're cheap again. So, again, I look at small caps. There's two thousand stocks to choose from. And right. there's Some of this list that are great buys. So, um, it makes me nervous when people are upgrading for the wrong reasons. But when analysts who often look backwards to project forwards have just had low forecasts because they're nervous and companies mm. are coming in ahead of that. And we'll find out in Feb. So yep. you probably find we'll get some upgrades in Feb because analysts are so pessimistic. So the market might look like it's at 15 times, but it might be at 14 times or 13 right. times. So if we get the earnings upgrades to come, you don't need a PE re-rate to get our performance. You get the earnings upgrade. So um,
1: you're in the camp that it will be a good earnings season?
2: I think anyone who's going to confess would have confessed by now. So we'll still get some cautious outlook statements, but yeah. cautiously optimistic as opposed to cautiously pessimistic. Mm, the provisor yeah. for that is, we've, I mean, companies have got their mortgage cliff like everybody else, and companies who are rolling off five-year fixed rates, will, at some stage, corporate interest rate increases might impact their EPS, but if they can get top-line growth or do some MA, then that'll take care mm. of that over the next two years. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but it okay. also depends on the sector. You mentioned insurance. Yeah. Insurance should be doing okay over the next couple of years.
1: Are you positive on the on the earnings I mean,
0: sometimes higher prices beget higher prices. Um, The momentum is there, and it's not like it's just shot up. It's been a volatile ride over a few years. And realistically, the (laughs) ASX, just back in October, everyone jumping off cliffs. Exactly. Exactly. So we're only you know retesting the highs from a couple of years ago, kind of thing, Um, and looking back over. The last 15 years since the GFC, the ASX excluding dividends is barely higher at all. So yeah. it, it's not like mm. it's been a, an unfettered rally. Uh, valuations still look reasonable. Again, you go below the surface, look at the, the mid-cap index or the small-cap index. There's you know trading at a very large discount to, to historical premiums. Um, so mm. yeah. we think there's a bit of mean reversion there potentially. Um, so there are always, we think, parts of the market that are more attractive than others. And at the moment, we would think sort of that mid to small cap space, and by small caps, I don't mean specy micro caps. Small caps is basically anything ASX X100 to ASX 300. I think there's some, some good quality growth stories there that mm. can deliver. So yeah, we're obviously cautious. We're obviously monitoring the data as best as possible. We don't think that we're at extreme levels and, okay. can, and we can create a narrative as to why markets go higher.
1: Okay. All right, uh, Shrishti wants to know, Michael, whether Aussie Broadband is in that growth story that you're looking out for mm. in the one to three hundred stocks. Aussie Broadband, the um, the internet telecommunication provider, but it's built a niche in high end users. Yeah, I mean it's been a,
0: an amazing performing business. Um, I think it's now the fourth largest telco mm. in the in the country. Yep. Uh, ever since they've listed, they've grown at an astronomical rate and to really continue to deliver consistently on expectations. It's a very highly competitive space. There aren't really any network effects. There's no real moat either. So you've got to be you know, trying to think of whether or not it's sustainable. And I struggle to you know, understand how this business will create a sustainable advantage for themselves. They're no longer cheap on a valuation basis. Um, There's no doubt that the customer services level uh, for this company are superior to most in the industry. And that's a big part, I'll dare say, uh, as to why they've done so well. And that obviously comes from management and structuring how the business will operate. But going forward, it's not cheap. Um, They are looking to make the pivot away from focusing on um, individual consumers to operating in the more wholesale market. Many have tried that transition before and struggled with it. The early signs is that Aussie broadband are actually pulling that transition off. Um, but I'll wait and see more evidence that they're continuing to deliver on that. So if they can do that, then there's no reason why they can't go higher. But I just question whether they can right. continue to make headway in that, in that wholesale um, area.
1: So would you avoid it or you gonna gonna hold go it?
0: Sell. I mean, it's a hold. Right. We don't own it, so it's not a buy. Um, but I wouldn't be selling because the recent update wasn't too bad.
2: Okay. Philip? Look, I agree. I mean, it's had a, a great run. I mean, mm-hmm. telcos... It's funny. I remember when ADSL was, was the new telco. So they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've done well. They've done quite a <laughs> while. Well, and it shows my age. Um, I'd almost say take profit. But they mm. recently raised money of like 140 mil at 355 So it's in the money. So everyone just put in some more money. Yeah. Uh, to fund the future growth so there's believers out there but anyone who's believing is probably already on the register so what's going to drive the marginal buyer to push it up they need to deliver risk is that things take longer than expected or they can't find the next leg of growth Um, and the share price is done really well so certainly no reason to sell it and it's not like it's performed poorly Um, But there's no reason to rush in and buy it so if you participate in the recent placement hold wait to see what they deliver next two years if you're not on the register there's cheaper telcos, there's cheaper stocks, there's other sectors to move into. Um, okay. But it's good business, can't fault it. It's not a sell, but it's not Do a Do you sell have company. a
1: favourite telco? I, I, I,
2: I cover a... Very small market cap called 5GG, which is a WA uh, broadband, five, does actually 5G broadband and does um, gaming as well. Right. It's, it's 20 mil market cap, it's a nano cap. So right. that's my favourite, but it's it's $1 billion dollars versus 20, 20 mil. It's 5GG? 5GG, Pentanet. Mm. Uh, ironically, the chairman is XIINet. Um, so, you know, it's oh, really. really? Yeah, oh. so that tells you how long I've been. Ionet oh, was
0: the favourite there for a long time. Yeah, they had very high so customer he, service he's
2: levels. Now, he's now, and then he was Navitas uh, CEO, but now he's chairman of um, 5GG. So that's one I like, little one. Gee, he's got
1: good pedigree. Yep, has
2: it's, it. it's got a good It's very early days for the other one.
1: All right, we might um, need to have a look at that on Ausbys, get the chief executive on to. Uh, Run us through the business. Um, our fit stock um, for this half hour. Uh, Fraser wants a view, Philip, on News Corp, the uh, global media giant that uh, not only owns uh, News Corp papers but uh, Foxtel and Real, dot com, Real yeah. REA. Yep, yeah, biggest shareholder in REA.
2: Once, uh, once. Must once was, was once one of the biggest stocks in the ASX until mm. Rupert took it to the US and all the index huggers decided, well, it was not an index, so they sold. It. Mm. It's had a great run. Um, you know, advertising's held up well. The real estate market's defying gravity, particularly in Australia, and all the, all the doomers and gloomers on, um, you know, Domain and um, REA have been proven wrong because volume's coming back, so they should ride that wave. So I think that's why the rally, I mean, media's been around for a long time, even books are doing well for them. Um, you wanna think it's now fair value too expensive and it certainly is on analyst coverage, but if people are buying it because of the um, real estate driven advertising Australia, US, which is probably now recovering Now's not the time to jump off. Um, having said that, with that run, I wouldn't call it a buy. I'm going to call it a hold right. with a finger on the sell trigger um, just to see how it reports. So would you trim? I would trim. I wouldn't sell. I would trim. I, right, so I, would some I mean, yeah. look, at, look at the bounce um, yeah. since the start of last year. And that's off the back of everyone, on my guess, is back off everyone got the view on the property market wrong yeah. and their classifiers just held up well. Yeah. So if we're going to continue to get it wrong, the stock will continue to upgrade. Right. Um, but it's early days, especially next week, if we get the confirmation, no rate rises, yeah. that'll continue to fuel the property market. So their Australian business should continue to do well. So I'm going to call okay. a whole, maybe slight trim, but certainly don't jump off.
1: Okay. Michael?
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: it's a interesting business. You've got REA, which makes up a lot of the valuation yeah. of this company. Um, in fact, if REA was realised properly, um, the value of, of Newscorp could probably be even be higher. Well, they, I think there's
2: a view that they might spin it yeah, out. Yeah,
0: well, that's they think... Yeah. I mean, I, I know Macquarie, for instance, was talking about the chances of a divestment now are increasing, given that Rupert has yeah. passed the baton to Lachlan. Right. Um, and there is definitely agitation from third parties there trying to get that divestment of REA, and that's potentially been the main driver really of the share price increase because REA has gone from 120 to 180 or whatever. And that's probably reflecting that in the the News Corp share price there. Otherwise you've got access to Foxtel, which was definitely a first mover, but potentially more challenged in recent times. Mm. HarperCollins, the book publishing has been doing very, very well for them, uh, or or at least better than it was. Then you've got Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones, which are decent performing media assets as well. So it's a good business. you Have to understand the composition of it. If, in many ways, if you were to buy it now, you'd be kind of hoping, it's in some respects, that the, the sum of the parts is greater than it all being kept together in one entity, uh, and that is definitely a potential kicker for it. But I'm not going to go buy mm. given the big rally that has occurred, right? And I'll probably just buy REA directly if I wanted that exposure. Yeah. Um, not that I'll be going out and rushing to buy it now, but. Yeah, that is my, my view, and I'd have it as a hold. It's, you know, right. or a slight trim, but a whole. It's not, I don't think it's, you know, all the momentum drivers for it remain momentum drivers. So right. I'm happy to, to hold it, but I wouldn't be rushing in to buy more.
1: Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, first five stocks so far, plus our stock of the day, Credit Corp. A hold from both Philip and Michael. Minres a buy from both of them. Uh, main Farmer, a sell from both Philip and Michael, uh, MA Financial, a hold from Michael, a buy from Philip, uh, Aussie Broadband, a hold from both, but Philip just threw in a microcode called 5GG Pentanet, uh based in WA, which is interesting, as I said, well. Follow that up here on Auspice and see if we... Because we love the mid to small caps and even micro caps because they always fly under the radar. But I find they always have really interesting stories behind them. Uh, News Corp is a hold from both... And maybe at these levels it's had a terrific run, uh, maybe trim some of some of your holding. Uh, here at the call we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund, is picked by the investment committee. Uh, the December meeting is on the platform at the moment, uh, .com rather. Um, uh, didn't have a January meeting because of the uh, the summer break. Uh, February meeting will hit the platform next week, so watch out for that. Back in December, they bought ResMed Car Group and Johns Ling, took profits on Wes Farmers, RPM Global and MA Financial, and the portfolio currently up 21%. Uh, in this half hour, Setire, Smart Group, EVT, um which is the old uh, events. Uh and BetaShare's Global Uranium ETF plus Woodside. We're going to get through. All right. Charlotte wants a view, Michael, on Setire, the uh the online luxury goods retailer. This is in your wheelhouse, I think. Um brand names include Prada, Gucci, St. <laughs> Laurent. Belenchi, whatever it is, Balenciaga or whatever, and Valentino, bit different. The best and less where I shop.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not my go. To be oh. honest, <laughs> I've got a, a good tie collection, and that's about it. Or well, at least I think so. Um, look, a satire. Well, satire has been a, a, a very good success story, um,
1: and I. Rocky start, wasn't it? Rocky start. A doubters. It. And and a lot of the big brand names that they were, it's sort of like the online warehouse sale sort of yeah, platform, yeah. aren't they? Well, they and they take, got a bit narky for a start.
0: Well, they take a lot of that excess stock and then sell it at a discount. I think they call it drop shipping warehousing, mm-hmm. where they don't really have any warehousing at all. That's all the p. It's yes. Right, drop shipping. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Um, so they're not holding any stock in the warehouse. They basically are just selling it on behalf of the brands and they've got very high margins. It's a good model. You know, average, yeah, average um, basket size is quite high given that it is premium brands. Um, it, look, I was probably one of the doubters too, like how can mm-hmm. a business like this, which is a relatively small player compete with, you know, there was you know, hundreds of these, Mr. Porter and, um, there was the Iconic and all these kind of fashion. Yep type um, websites. And there still is hundreds of them out there, but they seem to be developing a decent market share. I think it's about 05 to 1% of the luxury goods market in Australia. Um, and it seems to be very well run as well, um, despite the fact that the founder has been reducing his stake over you know, the last couple of years. Um, and that is, again, despite the fact that the consumer is meant to have been challenged over the last 12 months or so, the numbers that they've been delivering have been very, very good in spite of that broader narrative that it's tough out there. So, this is the whole thing in retail, it just seems to be there are some winners and and some losers and Mm. you can't paint everyone with the same brush uh, because the good quality operators seem to continue to be able to deliver. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not one that I've owned because it has done very well over time. Um, Again, I don't have enough conviction to give it a buy, but given the way it's held up, happy to give it a hold.
1: (coughs) Okay. And Philip, you can see that roller coaster. it sort of yeah. peaked and then crashed back to 37 cents, didn't it, as everyone doubted the model. Uh, and then it's proved itself. It's look, the model's simple, but it obviously
2: works. They take excess inventory and they sell it. I mean, yeah. there are other online retailers see, that Look do at that, that yeah, anyway. But they, they, they've got to get the inventory. Um, people talk doom and gloom in retail all the time. The luxury market holds up because if you're buying one of those handbags, you're not checking the interest rate decision every month to see if your mortgage has gone up. You probably don't have a mortgage. So their customers are probably more resilient than the average punter. So they're not going to yep. not buy their handbag because they're battling. Having said that, I can't work out what's magical about their model. Well, it works, but yeah. why can't I do that? Why can't I set up a website? If I get the inventory, it works. So it's done well. It's The moat isn't obvious. Um, I remember when ASOS, different different categories, same model, took off well in Australia until it didn't, and, yeah. until Amazon came. So I'm going to call it a hold because I just can't work out what's magical about them and it's had a good run. And we could wake up tomorrow and they've lost market share even though they're only small. So right. on that basis, I'll call it a hold because there's no obvious moat. Uh, it's, not a mu- it's not a must sell, but it's not a must own. So I'll call it a hold. Oh, yeah, vendor selling, yeah. I don't really care, but most people think that as well. They know something we don't, so why yeah. would I? To buy if he or she's selling. I don't read that much into it, but they are selling. So hmm. I'd call it a hold.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Ryan wants um, a view, Philip, on SMART Group, the uh, employee management services group, uh, salary packaging, novated leasing, vehicle fleet management, payroll services to companies. Yeah. And what do you think of SMART?
2: Look, good business, not expensive. I believe they do a lot of, or uh, some, EV leasing. Um, EV sales are weakening, not holding up. That's had a good run. Uh, My concerns in this stock, A, they're twofold. Are we going into a recession? I think slowing down. Will there be less people working there for less demand? Um, And what's happening with working from home? Is that here to stay? I think those are weak arguments. I think more people are coming back into the office and we're going to avoid a recession. So demand for their product should hold Okay, So I think the earnings risk that may have been in in the price um, in 2023 that's now come out and it's had a re-rate, but it has had a pretty material re-rate. It's not back to all-time highs, mm. uh, but I think growing from here gets challenged. I think they want a decent, um, because Adelaide, South Australian government contract, which yep. give them an earnings kick. If there's more out there, it'll continue to kick along, uh, but it's had such a good run, I'd almost take some profits. not a sell, but I would definitely trim some given the recent run, but it seems like a good okay. business. Uh, leasing, I've always liked leasing. In the right market, it does well. Innovative uh, yeah. leasing, so yeah, I think it's a hold, though, at current okay. valuation levels.
1: Michael, what do you think? Macmillan, which does a similar thing, mm-hmm. came up on the call a few weeks ago and uh, uh, by Jumbe and from Tribeca and Mark Gardner from MPC, um, uh, preferred smart group in that sector, Tom McMillan. Yeah, it's look. It's an interesting
0: space. It can be quite a complicated business model. Maybe mm. it's um, this particular business do a lot of Novator leasing to a lot of unionized workforces. Mm. You know, police, fire. Um, they recently signed yep. a large mm. contract with the Adelaide State or the South Australian sorry state government, um, which will you know provide them with a large order book potentially. Um, It's a company that paid a a large special dividend last year, took on a lot of debt to do that. I'm not sure why a company would do that. Um, Maybe there are some good reasons, but I just think that's not necessarily the best management side of things. Again, it's not a company I'm overly familiar with, but do note that it has been a good performer over time. I'll be tempted to sell into recent strength um, and, and, and look to focus on other areas.
1: And what you're saying there, because the, the other uncertainty that everyone throws into these companies is the stroke of a budget pen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can change the tax rules for novated leases, salary packaging, things like that. But if they've just picked up police unions and uh, uh, bureaucrats and public servants, uh, that's less likely. <laughs> you would think yeah. to get changed in a budget. Well, that's you? right, I mean,
0: everyone goes back, I think it was Julia Gillard in like 2000-something. Yeah. So it's Lebanon. not just the big corporates. Well, that's right, Brian? that's right. So, look, the balance sheets looks pretty good, um, pretty conservatively run, not a lot of leverage. Um, the customer demand is healthy, so they're all, you yeah. know, things that are positive for the company, but I just, from a long-term standpoint, there are the concerns around um, yep. Regulatory changes, and that I, th- that I think has hindered the valuations and the multiples that these companies right. trade on. So, yeah, I'm just a little bit worried around okay. that. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, Philip Charles wants a view on EVT, the old event hospitality and entertainment, event cinemas, Greater Union cinemas, Ridges Hotels, QT Hotels. Uh, they own uh, Treadbow Alpine Village as well. Um, what did they oh, pretty we Very got- much in entertainment and tourism.
2: We like entertainment and tourism. We're in the stronger for longer camp. I mean, they were hit by the rider's strike last year, so there wasn't any content. Well, there wasn't yeah. anything at the movies for people to go out and see. We're now coming out the end of it, so there'll be some backlogs and even just looking at what was released over our summer. There's a lot more movies coming, a lot more reasons for people to go, um, go out there. I think the ski season was just okay, but the whole demand for hotels is holding up a lot longer than people thought. So this whole, you know, retail sales were weak, people aren't spending, they're, they've stopped spending, they're spending less on things and more on experiences. And movies yeah. are experience. skiing's an experience, um, their hotels an experience. So we like the space, it has had a good run, again, not quite back at all time highs, but not far off it, so. Again, off that recent bounce, take some profits, uh, but it's a hold. I think perhaps a little bit more to go based on analyst numbers. But I think the, again, the worst is behind them with the (coughs) rider strike with more inventory hitting their shelves, for want of a better phrase. I think they've got a good 12 months ahead, which is now in the share price. So I would call it a hold.
1: Okay. Michael? Yeah, not a a
0: bad business by any means. A tightly held family company. Um, The argument with this company is that they actually own a lot of property. And the valuation of that property um, is about $2.3 million, which isn't far off their market cap. So it <coughs> does be Chiffon. realized. So they own like the Gowings building. I think they've done some developments along George Street in the city as well. And they've still got a lot of assets <coughs> there as well. Um, so in many ways, it's a property play. That's the way we would see right. it, although they do have the, the cinemas business. And everyone was talking for so long how cinemas are in a structural decline, but I think that you know, story has played out. Obviously yes, people probably aren't going to the movies as much but it's probably plateaued and potentially even picking up again.
1: So are you saying their valuation just reflects the value of the property not the businesses yeah, well, that's that what, they actually run?
0: Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of people say and that's what a lot of people value their properties at. Right. And you'll be familiar with a lot of the sites, you know, 525 George Street, 458 George Street. So, you know, very large yeah. spaces. And the idea is that over time they'll put in a QT hotel, they might have some apartments, you know, maybe even a movie cinema downstairs, but revitalise those spaces and, and get more efficiency out of them and improve the asset value off the back of that. But that obviously takes time, time, there's a lot of capital that goes into that. And the return on equity on this business is quite low, probably because it is a pretty conservatively run business and has a pretty, you could argue, lazy balance sheet, many would argue in the property space. but. Look, it's not a, I'm going to go a hold. It's never one that's really shot the lights out. It probably has trades on a bit of a discount in in valuation, given the fact that the family dominate the registry. Um, But it's... Had a a good 12 months. Had a decent 12 months, but over the the long term, hasn't really done much. Um, Right. But it's not a bad company. And if ever there was a split up of the business, potentially there's some value to be unlocked. But I just don't know when or if that will ever transpire. Okay. So you're happy to go hold because we'll just... I think no. oscillate sideways over time pretty much with some dividends every now and again.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, next stock comes from um, from Amber Phillip. She wants to talk uranium uh, and exposure to uranium. Amber wants to know, is the beta shares Global Uranium ETF the way to do it, a good way to do it?
2: We, we love uranium. We think right. as a house, um, you can't go green without investing in uranium. It's it's not the dirty way that it used to be and our house view is that um, it's almost famous last word, it's almost like where lithium was a few years ago when we realised we're not making enough we're not making enough. And as the energy providers realise it to go green Decarbonisation is going to take a long time and right. require a lot of investment. Uranium is the way to go. They will start buying, and that'll continue to put the um, the uranium price up. But if you can get the Sprott share price up as a proxy, Sprott's gone through the roof. So, I think uranium recently went through 100 U.S. a pound. Our house view is it goes to 150 a pound um, in the near term, just to keep up with the demand. Okay, we I don't know come.
1: what's happening with that that uh, that chart um because it's at 11 bucks at the moment we might take that chart down i've just brought it up on my screen and it's ten dollars 28 so we've got a glitch in that that chart that's a buy off that share price no yes yeah absolutely (laughs) that would be a bargain at that share price so
2: um yeah Okay. So a trust is, is a good way to buy it. I think Sprott is also listed in No way to play. If you want to play a producer, there, there's Paladin, So right. among others. So there's a lot of ways to play it. We think you need some exposure. Uh, if you're not watching markets every day, buy it through a trust. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to call this a buy for a good one. exposure to the sector. Uh, if you wanted a stock specific one, we like Paladin, among other names, right. uh, PDN. But yeah, definitely our view is that the world is coming to the realisation that Uranium is safer than first thought to go green, you need to go yeah. Uranium. To get your climate yeah.
1: targets, you've got to have a base load, if it's not coal, okay. uh, it's got. Uh, the theory is that it's got to be Uranium, but you look at the Uranium price chart and it looks like the Lithium chart 18 months ago and you wonder whether it will go the same way. So that, that has you, been hypothesized. So yeah. it,
2: mm. when lithium spiked a number of years ago, it was off the back of this perceived demand in EVs yeah. and Elon Musk coming out saying there isn't enough lithium in the world for us to make our vehicles. It's shot up. We have an alternative to vehicles at the moment. The combustion engine will be here to stay for a while longer in my humble opinion. And we don't have the infrastructure to go electric um, immediately. But we need to go green because we can't keep polluting right. the atmosphere. That's the difference. We don't have to buy an electric vehicle, but we have to stop the carbon emissions. And everyone's 2030 targets aren't being met. You've seen what the carbon, um, carbon price has done in Europe, Spike. Um, so, this is part of the solution to go green, mm, okay. which is broader than just changing your cars to electric, which is still charged by a coal fired power station right. when you get home. So
1: Mike, do you um, subscribe to that theory?
0: We like uranium. We've held it for 12 months or 18 months even. Um, so we've done very well off it. And we, But we are conscious of the fact that it has gone parabolic and we yep. are slightly worried that this might be lithium 2.0 or even what we've seen with coal over the last sort of couple of years at various points. So we are pretty nimble around it. We, we do like the long-term thematic. Just to go through some numbers, there's about 450 nuclear power plants around the world in about 32 countries. Mm. So you've got countries like France, 70% of the electricity generated by nuclear. Places like Ukraine, Belgium, Hungary, over 50%. Even in the United States is around 20%. So mm. there's a lot of you know, usage in different countries where they're a bit more uh, amenable with the idea of uh, uranium mm. and, and that as a gen- nuclear power as a form of energy. So there's another 55 power plants currently under construction, places like China and India. Um, There are another 90 nuclear nuclear plants, another 90 reactors are in planning phase. So they've been approved and in planning. And then there's about 300 proposed globally. So there's, and that's just at the moment, that's that's probably 12 months out of date or whatever. There's all this enormous demand coming online. Countries are coming around to that idea. So... We think it's a place you want to have exposure to, and although the uranium price has gone crazy, um, yep. it's only really back to where it was in two thousand eleven, pre Fukushima, where they had right. the big reactor meltdown. But
1: there are uh, the other argument against it is there are lots of uranium. We're not short of uranium. Well, that's uh, true. Australia's got a lot, and it's relatively easy to bring a lot of those mines out of mothballs. That's
0: that's that's the argument, but it's right. it's still a bit lagged, like it took Boss yeah. Energy, one that we held a long time, to, it was a previously operating mine producing, took them a long time to eventually get back into production. Right. That's done very well. We like NextGen as well, that's a Canadian base, they've got a CDI in Australia as well, but they're more exploration at the moment, they've got enormous asset with very cheap costs of production if they were to bring right. that on. Um, the the Sprot Physical Uranium Trust is the largest waiting, just so you know, within this particular uranium ETF. Um, but it includes paladin includes boss includes next gen and a few others global there so it's not a bad way to play okay. the thematic right. we would probably go a buy
1: on right it. a buy on it
0: because we where well, we do think the outlook looks pretty good still
1: uh and um just a, um also a, an alternative to think about still in the beta shares one that came up the other day as the beta shares, energy global energy ETF, which has your uranium, but also your coal stocks in there, and your oil stocks. And if you're if you're more an energy uh, bull, uh, and you want a bit of diversification, uh, both it was on that day. Uh, Nathan Somers, and Darren, and Josh uh, Josh Barker. Uh, recommended that as a buyer as well. Uh, our final stocks is one of our biggest energy producers here in Australia. Of course, is Woodside. Uh, Max wants a view on that. Philip, uh, our biggest oil producer, talking about uh, merging with Santos.
2: Yeah, I mean that that would potentially be significantly value accretive um, if it goes ahead. The, someone told me a long time ago. the share price will follow the commodity price uh, for most of these stocks that oil has been quite volatile recently one stage was heading towards 100 and it became negative it's back towards 100 so i'm going to call this too hard because certainly my view on where the oil price is going or gas price uh, isn't as confident as say maybe a lithium or um, uh, a, n- a nuclear price for example so right. this isn't a must own stock despite its size you can see how much has come off its lows um, if we get back to a hundred dollar oil this could be another forty dollar right. stock but I-, I can't call it at the moment we're about to go into northern hemisphere winter which typically sees coal and oil spike because they need to heat their houses um, but it's, it's had a good bounce so for me it's not as cheap as it used to be it's not a screaming by given consensus forecast right. so I just get a call a hold um, right. it's, not, it's not a must own. it's
1: had a lot on has it yeah. bought BHP's oil assets now yeah. in talks with Santos we'll know a bit more about that in uh, later the I was going to say later this month but next month from February and um, Michael, what do you think of Woodside?
0: It's a good quality business, very high quality assets, um, you know, costs of production in the bottom quartile, sells 80% of its gas, et cetera, you know, and into the um, Southeast Asian market, only 20% domestic. We have a preference for Santos, although we acknowledge Woodside is high quality, lower risk, Santos has a better um, production profile in our view, which could see a big improvement in free cash flow over time for Santos and therefore big pick up in dividends. Um, so those right. things are kind of more company specific rather than so reliant on the energy price so, or oil so price. So you'd itself. be
1: really watching if Woodside came for Santos, so they'd pay a good price for
0: it. Yeah, i prefer they didn't take over Santos, to, to be honest, um, right. just because I think Santos, given their projects, if they can deliver, their production in 10 years could even take over Woodside. Huh. Um, it wow. obviously is a, look very dependent on the energy price to some degree, but they have a big capex program at the moment. They're, you know, they're doing a lot of buybacks. Once all that kind of stuff starts to narrow, the free cash flow and dividend generation of Santos will be very attractive. You don't buy commodity companies purely for the dividend, but I just think there's a, you know, a lot mm. more value to be unlocked for Santos. And if Woodside were to get in now after Santos has basically gone sideways for a number of years, I think they'd be getting it at a good price. So there needs right. to be something pretty compelling that Woodside offers Santos, I would think, to get that deal over the line. Okay. so I'm going to go a hold on Woodside, but a
1: a buy on Santos. Santos. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's recap the uh, Final Five stock, Satire, a hold from both Philip and Michael, Smart Group, uh, take profits from uh, Philip, sell from Michael, uh, EVT. Uh, Hold and take profits from Philip, a hold from Michael. Uh, The BetaShares Global Uranium ETF, uh, a buy from both of them. Um, In that Uranium sort of pure play uh, space, Philip likes Paladin, um, Michael NextGen and Boss and Woodside a hold from both, but uh, Michael has a preference for Santos. Philip Pepper from & Partners, good to see you, mate. Good to see you. Uh, and Michael Wade from Medallion Financial. Thank you. Always great to have you on board. Uh, that's our show for today. Um, look, if you've got any stocks you'd want me to uh, put to our expert panel, uh, just go to osbizco slash co slash um, or tweet us on X uh, using the at AusBizTV handle um, and put as many questions as you like, any comments about the particular stocks. That all always adds a bit of spice to the discussion as well. Uh, look forward to uh, another edition of The Call. See you then, same time tomorrow. <laughs>